episode 229 of the Pie at the Pie podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. The Ground School app contains knowledge and skill videos. Check it out at learnthefinerpoints.com. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today's episode is an Ask Me Anything, and I know I didn't ask me anything about a month ago. As I've said in the last episode, my wife's starting residency. We just moved to a new house. We're still trying to figure out how to record episodes. I might have to get a nanny to watch Emmett for an hour or two a day, just trying to figure it all out. The episodes will come back, uh, standard interview episodes. But the Ask Me Anythings in the day in life have been very well received. Uh, I have heard great information and great feedback from them. So if you are enjoying these, please let me know because I will keep doing them. And uh, hopefully in the future, maybe I'll keep doing the four podcast interviews every single month and then have uh, a day in the life or an ask me anything every month as well. But anyways, we are doing an ask me anything today. So on Instagram at pilot to pilot, make sure you go follow. We did a ask me anything and I answered some questions and I'm going to ask the ones that I didn't answer on here. So aviation, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this episode, follow us on pilot to pilot and pilots coffee. Uh, we are reordering steeped coffee packs. I have heard from you and you want them back. So they are coming back. We are getting those back as soon as we can. Uh, I will keep you updated with that as well. Uh, last week was my dad's last flight. It was a very special flight. And thank you to controllers, ramp crew, spotters, all of the above, as they were able to take pictures, they were able to talk to him on his last flight and just really make it a great experience. So I'm very thankful for the aviation community and the followers and the pilot, the pilot, aviation crew. So thank you so much for all your help in making that day as special as possible for my family. It was uh, really cool. And as most of you know, it was an actual, it was my dad's last flight and my son Emmett, his first flight. So it was pretty cool to have that happen all in one. But anyways, Aviation, I digress. Without any further ado, here is the Ask Me Anything. So we started off with when are you going to buy an airplane and what type will it be? This one was from last week's episode of Cessna Tour. And he asked this question because he has been peppering me to buy an airplane. And uh, a lot of people have. And I really want to. It is something that my wife and I both want. I have a huge, huge dream of having Emmett. I'm not going to force him to fly at all or force him to, to, to want to have to do this for a career, but I want him to grow up around an airplane. I think it'd be so cool to have him crawling in the seats and be able to, to go up and fly and, and just be able to have fun and just really be around aviation at all times and, and just have it in his mind that this is possible. But I've, I've gone through a lot of, um, a lot of different moments of, of planes that I think that I would want. I, I've gone through. Uh, dream planes of King Airs to PC-12s that are tons and tons of money and probably will never happen. Uh, I've also gone down to 310s to Aztecs and maybe not Aztecs, but let's go with 310s and Barons, which are also insane amount of money. 206s, that was for the longest time, that was my dream airplane and it still would be an unbelievable airplane because it's so capable of what it can do. Uh, it, also insanely expensive. To most recently a 182 and not a new 182, specifically a like 1957 to 1959 182 straight tail, uh, 
Mindy's airplane, which we've talked about before, how she stole my airplane and I'll never get over it. But something like that. And I'm very specific to the type of plane I want. And I want to make sure I find the right one for, for me and my family. Um, so 182 has been most recently the one that I want the most. And unfortunately, it seems everyone else in the world wants 182. So that price has just skyrocketed. So now we have moved even farther down the list. We are looking at uh, most recently J3 Cubs, J5 Cubs, um, a champ, whatever it might be, kind of like an intro plane, one that will will hopefully keep forever. I was actually inspired by Emily at the airport who I had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, where they have passed down a J3 Cub throughout their family for for generations. And I think it'd be so cool to buy um, this J5 Cub that I'm looking at right now that um, I was sent. It was immaculate. And I think it'd be really cool to have this airplane, teach him how to fly, have him pass it down to his kids and so on and so on. So the new dream right now and more realistic goal is probably some kind of Cub. It's probably some kind of tailwheel. Uh, a 180 would be cool, but those are expensive. 170 as well. Uh, 140 ish maybe but i think i'm in love with the j5 cub man maybe a j3 if the if if i can't find a j5 but these things look pretty cool and the cool thing about the j5 is actually for three people so i could fly in the front my wife could be in the back with emmett or vice versa my wife up front and me in the back with emmett so i think it'd be pretty cool to have one of those and hopefully hopefully next year will be in the market for an airplane. It was supposed to be this year, but with moving to North Carolina, buying a house that unfortunately needed some improvements to it, we are cash strapped with that house. And, and it's not a bad thing, but it just has pushed off this goal a little bit longer. And it, it's honestly probably for the best, trying to find the best deal. Hopefully uh, prices will come down a little bit and we can get the best plane for our money. Uh, who knows? Maybe a 182 will fall into our lap, but that is right now the plan. So I, I'd love to eventually uh, have a house on a private strip or even have a house with acreage. And we could build our own grass strip with our own little hangar and be able to just have fun. So fly around. Um, there's a really cool strip up in North Carolina by a lake up uh, in the Raleigh area that I've heard about and I'd love to check out. And it sounds like it has a pretty good community. So we'll see. All right. The next question is how to keep flying fun when you're in a part 141 program. So this was a funny question because I was in a part 141 program. I started my training at Ohio State University. Um, I did not enjoy the 141 structure. Now that could have been because football made it pretty difficult for me to actually go fly. Uh, and by difficult, I was just, my time was, was allocated other places. So even when I had the opportunity to go fly, a lot of times I was tired and I didn't want to go fly. Just plain and simple. It didn't really have anything to do with Ohio State or anything like that. It was just my time commitment was so full of other things that I needed to do. And at that time were more important to me. So 141 just wasn't for me. Uh, I realized that pretty quickly. I was able to finish my private at a 141 school at Ohio State. But then after that, I did transfer or not transfer. I went down to a part 61 airwood aviation in North Carolina and just had an absolute blast. Um, I loved every second there. Wes, who is my mentor, an awesome guy. Pete, my instructor, who was great. And then uh, the OG, Jim Eifert. Uh, people listening know Jim. He is a absolute legend. He has since retired, is no longer at Airwood, but man, that guy could teach you how to fly. Uh, <clears throat> he knew what he was doing, and uh, he would always talk about his little champ in West Texas doing spins and just how much fun he would have. So uh, yeah, I love 61, but to go back to the question, to keep it fun, you need to figure out a way to rent the airplane and go fly for fun, because 141, as it's designed, isn't necessarily designed for your fun. It's designed to get you through your training. It's designed to have a curriculum. It's designed for you to be 
at this certain spot at this certain time in your progress and your training, and you don't have much time to enjoy it. So you kind of have to make it fun on your own. You have to remember why you like aviation. You have to remember the whole reason that you're into this. And you remember and think back about the time when you took your first flying lesson and you were smiling from ear to ear and remember that fun. If you can't do that, try to rent it, get some renter's insurance and go rent the plane out and go have some fun. Go get that hundred dollar hamburger, go do whatever it takes to make it fun because it can be a drag sometimes. And that's just how 141 is. Next up, this is a really uh, good question. And I got a lot of feedback from this when I answered this on Instagram as well. It says, I'm 30 years old going to flight school in September. I keep getting nervous about my age thinking that I'm too old. This is a very common, common thought that people have that are 30s and even the 40s. Think about this. If you go to the airline, say you're 30, it takes you two years to get all your ratings. Now you're 32. You have 1,500 hours. You can apply to the regionals. Maybe you can do it earlier. I don't know. But say you're 32, the mandatory retirement age is 65. So you have 33 years of flying for an airline or flying for wherever you want. That's a good career. That's a long career. You have the ability to still make really good money to go fly and have a good job. Now, if you're 40, that's still 25 years. So you still have a quarter of a century to go out and do something. So you have plenty of time to do this. It's never too late. Uh, you will talk to many captains, many FOs who have flown with people that have changed careers in their 30s and their 40s, and they're doing this for fun. Even in your 50s, if this is something you really want to do, you can still do it. <laughs> I sent a picture of the UPS flight, or I've sent a picture on Instagram of the UPS pay right now. And at the top pay, you can make $490,000 as a captain and 319000 as an FO. Now, I don't know if that's realistic or not. Someone sent me that, so I didn't confirm these numbers. But that's the kind of pay that you can make. And it all depends on seniority. But you can still make some really, really good money in your 32, 35, or 20-year career at the airlines or freight or fractional, whatever you want to do, corporate even. So it is you are not too young or you're not too old, I should say. It's just something that you have to think about and just get over, mentally get over. There's going to be younger pilots. There's always going to be younger pilots. There's always going to be someone younger than you. But get in. Get as soon as possible and get your ratings because it's all seniority based. They're not going to fire you for someone younger like they might at an engineering firm or at a tech firm because they can pay them less. This is something that your union will back you and it doesn't matter how old you are until you turn 65 you can't fly for the airlines anymore. So 30, 40, go for it. 45, 50, you know, just think about it. Is this something you really want? How does it affect your family? Because you are going to take some kind of a pay cut, but I still think it's worth it. It's a fun career. It's a lot of fun. Just make sure your family's prepared for you to be gone because that's something a lot of people don't think about. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. If you're like me, you might wonder, am I saving enough for the financial future I want after flying? That's when I check with RAA's free retirement paycheck calculator and you'll want to as well. Based on a few simple financial factors, I get an instant snapshot of how much I could expect to receive each month in retirement and if I'm falling short of my goals and any adjustments I can make to get my saving strategy back on track. It's quick, easy, and free. Try it today at raa.com slash pilot to pilot. That's pilot, T-O, pilot. With high resolution coast to coast composite radar and cloud to cloud, cloud to ground lightning updated every 2.5 minutes along with always available weather products like METARs, ECHOTOPS, and storm tracks. Sirius XM lets you fly confidently knowing that your weather information is available at 500 feet or at your destination 500 miles ahead. Check out aopa.org forward slash Sirius XM to get a two-month free trial to try these products out for yourself. Now back to today's episode. 
Would you recommend joining a part 135 company as an FO at 1200 or wait till the regionals? This really comes down to you and what your goals are. If you want to fly for a major, if you want to fly for UPS, you probably need to go to the regional and start getting that 121 time because they really do care about the 121 time. Now things are changing. Uh, airlines are hiring everyone. So I don't know how relevant this is going to be to the next two to three years of hiring. Maybe, maybe they're just going to hire everyone that they possibly can, but if you are thinking about going to an airline, you should probably go to the regional as soon as you can. Now, that's not to say you can, can't go my path where I didn't go to the regionals and I was kind of phased with the same decision. I had 1,200 hours. Um, I was just signing my contract over at um, Priority Air Charter, which is where I flew freight. And I had the ability to go on to the regionals at 1,500 hours, but I decided to, to re-up and sign another year contract for the PC-12 because I've always wanted to fly PC-12. To me, my career was always based on me getting to where I am now. It was never a regional-based decision. I would have gone to the regionals, and I'm sure I would have enjoyed it, and I would have uh, liked the airline life, but I knew I always wanted to come fly fractional and, and have this lifestyle, so I always did everything I could. And in the meantime, I always had a goal to fly a PC-12, and I knew that the chances of me flying a PC-12 once I got to where I am today are pretty slim because you very rarely go back and fly uh, a turboprop or you don't really go back and fly pistons once you get to the jets it's just something that you don't do so if you're looking to, to to cross off some bucket list items then you should go have fun and go do what you want to do and the regionals and airlines will come they're going to be hiring so it's um it's something that you should definitely look into uh, but if you want to fly for a major airline it might be best for you to go to the regional and get your time what pilot job allows you to come home at night the most is it the airlines that depends. You can be a sim instructor, so you can work for a flight safety, CAE, and I'm pretty sure you'd be home every night. I know there's some really early morning and late night sims, so night might be actually daytime where you're home, but that would give you the opportunity to be home every night. There is one airline that I know for sure that you are pretty much home every single night, and except for Red Eyes, which I, I don't know how senior or junior those are, but if you are an Allegiant pilot, they are pretty much home every single night. I'm pretty sure that's how they're all based and probably say like 95, 90% of their pilots get to be home every single night. And Allegiant isn't the Allegiant you thought of 20 years ago where their planes were MD-80s and they're all breaking down. They have invested in new airplanes. Um, they have, a, it's a pretty good career. I've talked to some pilots that really enjoy it. That lifestyle works perfectly for them and it's something to definitely look into. Uh, if you're a CFI, you can be home every single night. You can make some money doing that. I know there's a lot of professional CFIs on, on Instagram, on YouTube, like Jason Miller, that are just really living their best life and having fun flying pistons and teaching people how to fly. Uh, there's also some other corporate jobs, but that's not a guarantee. And you never know when uh, a standard corporate job will will have you have to be gone and they could change just like a snap of a finger, whether they, sh they shut down or whether they get new ownership and now you're going to be gone all the time. So it's just something to think into, but I know for sure Allegiant and sim instructors give you the ability to be home. If you could fly any Airbus jet, what would it be? Ooh, man, any Airbus jet. I am a sucker for brand new technology. So right now the 350, I think that 350 is so cool. And the equivalent well, that for Boeing would be a 787. Whenever I see those two airplanes, I would love to fly them. Um, I guess also would be the A220. I wouldn't mind flying as well. Um, I heard you just don't want to drink any coffee in the A380 in the cockpit because you might shut down an engine. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go ahead and Google it. Uh, I think there's been five uh, times where that's happened and they actually banned people from drinking liquids in there now. So 
Uh, yeah, I would um, look into that. <laughs> but I say the 350 or A220. What do you think about pipeline patrol jobs? I think it's a great way to build your time. Uh, I did aerial survey, which is kind of similar. Uh, we did some pipeline patrol, but we did ours up at 21,000 feet in an unpressurized 310. It's a little bit different than standard pipeline patrol, usually at a couple hundred feet, thousand feet above the ground, just getting beat up. So uh, I think it's a great way to go. You have to be very careful about those jobs because that's where I had my engine failure. I had a bunch of other maintenance issues there as well. So you have to know kind of what, you're getting into you have to understand that you are kind of playing too close to that risk line at times and search for flight time i think there's an opportunity now for pilots to really be competitive and to choose the best company because of a pilot shortage so really do your research and look in for the best company talk to old pilots that have been there talk to a mentor get a mentor you can go to the professional pilots of tomorrow get a mentor and uh, they can kind of fill you in on what the good and bad companies are so check those out as well Favorite airport in Canada. I've always wanted to fly to Vancouver. Um, we go to Toronto all the time, but definitely not my favorite. Been to Calgary. Um, been to a really obscure airport. And oh, I can't remember. It's like, oh, I'd have to look that up. I'll answer that on Instagram. But I've uh, been to a really obscure airport. That was really cool. It was frozen. And uh, that was fun. But St. John's was really cool. Flying as far east as you possibly can in uh, North America, I believe, possibly. Don't quote me on that. But that was cool going to St. John's. So I guess I'll answer St. John's. Uh, St. John's, Canada. When's the global upgrade coming? I actually could have held the global as an FO. Uh, but for me, I want to be in the United States right now or kind of domestic, I would say. Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, the islands. Uh, that's about as far as we go. Just because I want to make sure I'm home with my kid whenever I can. If there's anything that pops up, I know I'm a pretty short flight away. Also, we make the most money in the latitude as an FO because we are paid. It's called flight duty pay. And we get paid extra for the more flight hours we have. And the global might fly long legs, but due to rest demands and rest requirements, you're usually not getting 30, 40 hours in a flying tour. You might get uh, 25 or 18, and then you're coming back home. So for an FO, you actually get paid more money in the latitude and the 350, even the 650. That's probably the, the better option for me if I was to go on to a bigger equipment would be the 650 because you fly more um, and it's a bigger airplane. Do you think supersonic flight is actually coming back? This is a very interesting question because I don't know if I am kind of on my own in this thought, but I do not think it's coming back. I think, I hate to say this, but I think United and boom, I think that's more of a PR because it really was close to happening. I think every other airline would be ordering it as well. Uh, I think the same thing with the electric aircraft. I think it might've been just a PR move. But hey, it worked out well. They're getting good PR and it's working out for them. And once they uh, announce that it's not going to work out, no one's really going to think twice about it. Uh, they just see them being a pioneer in the industry right now and kind of changing their reputation, which I, I can't blame them for. Uh, I know Boom, I don't think they have any engines for the airplane. I don't really think, like, I just from everything I've read, I think it's just like every other supersonic company that's come out right now where they are trying really hard and I hope that they can make it happen. But I just don't think there's really a need for it, to be honest with you. The expense just isn't going to cover. Um, I don't think the the demand is going to be there. I don't I don't know how they they pitch it to the airlines, how many people actually want to fly on it, or if it's even a business jet. I don't even know how many people would want to do that when you can go on a global and you can fly 95, 96, whatever the, the global 8,000 can do or the new Gulfstream, whatever they come out with it. Uh, like what? I don't know. I just don't think there's going to be a need for it. So I will say I do not think 
it's coming back anytime soon. I think the technology for it really isn't going to be there. And I mean, the technology is there, but I don't think it's going to be at a place where they can make it affordable enough to be very common. Do you have any advice for the first job for low hours pilot? Um, number one, be a good person. Uh, this is huge. If you uh, throughout your training, if you are a good person, people will look out for you. And once you get to that time, you start asking the right questions and people will put you in contact with the right people. And you never know by hanging out at an airport who's going to want you to fly their airplane. Uh, apply everywhere you possibly can. I did climb to three flight level 350. I think that's the website it was. Terrible website. It's like Barnstormers. It's the best place, but it's a terrible website to, to kind of find all these jobs and look out. But I applied to every job I could. And then the third is get a mentor. I mentioned it before, Professional Pilots of Tomorrow. Fantastic place to find a mentor. They will place you with a mentor and they will help you get the job that you want, need, and, and figure out the best way for you to build your time. So go ahead and check those out. Does a longer on or off stints wear on you versus the airlines where it's more of a four on three off or five on four off? Um, I truly think the seven and seven is probably one of the best schedules in aviation, especially when you have two vacations, uh, three vacations and four vacations. Those are what we have at the company based on your time that you've worked here. I think it's unbelievable. Uh, seven days home in a row with nothing to worry about. You really can't beat that. Your vacations turn into 21 day vacations. You just have to kind of get ready and prepare yourself and get used to seven days gone. It does suck. You miss stuff. I come home and I feel like Emmett is a, a new kid and I miss like key developmental situations and I really hate it. But seven days home, unbelievable. And it honestly cannot be beat. I love it. Best advice a CFI ever gave you. Uh, I really can't remember any particular advice. Uh, I think probably the honestly the best thing is just be consistent you know uh keep flying don't take too many too long of a stretch off if you're burnt out take a week off but don't do that consistently because the the sharper you are the more flights you do the better you're going to be and the less rusty you're going to be which means quicker training and you're not going to spend as much money i know it doesn't sound like that's actually how it is but the more you fly the less money you'll actually spend when you're in your training i know it doesn't make sense but it's true because if you take time off and you're repeating lessons it's just the extra money that's going away this is a good question and this is probably the one i'll end it on have you ever been afraid while flying i'm trying to find ways that i feel more at ease when i fly Yes, I actually have. In my training, there are times I was afraid of spins. I was I didn't love stalls. Uh, the only way that I could get through those was by practicing more and getting so proficient in it that I really understood what the plane was doing. I helped to to really watch my CFI do them and kind of just watch the plane and understand that the plane's not crashing. The plane's in a very, very good place and it is designed to recover. It, a 172, you put in a spin, it recovers its own. You put in a stall, it pretty much recovers on its own as well. Um, it's good to find a CFI that will work with you. Make sure they're not doing any like drastic stalls or spins. Like make sure they're taking it nice and easy, gentle, and kind of really showing you what the plane is doing. That was huge for me to find a CFI that that wasn't trying to have fun, wasn't laughing at you because you thought it was nerd, you got nervous or whatever it is. Because it is, it's a weird sight picture. Uh, it doesn't really seem right. Like why do I want the nose pointing down to the ground? I don't want to be spinning towards the earth. So it's really important to find that. And also after I had my engine failure, I was kind of terrified of flying. Uh, I remember airlining home and I felt the power changes and my stomach just dropped and I thought like we we're going down. Um, so I really had a moment there where I thought, do I really want to do this? Is this something that I actually still want to do? 
And I decided it was, I talked to Christina and we were just like, look, we've done so much training. Like it'd be such a shame to walk away right now when you're, when you have this career ahead of you. So, and I had to understand that it wasn't like the plane's fault. It wasn't anyone's fault. It was just, just happens in aviation. And it's something that, that could happen to anyone. You got to be prepared for it. And if it does happen, uh, you got to rely on your training and get the job done and land the plane and then come back uh, and go back up. That's the best situation that you can do. You know, take a couple of days off, but get back in the plane, go fly. And that's what I did. And I flew as much as I could. And I wouldn't, and I'd be lying to you if I said that every flight after that was, was convenient and comfortable. It wasn't, I was very nervous. Um, I probably <laughs> said, oh shit, millions of times when I was flying and everything was fine, but it was just something that the only way I could do is just get over to my own and fly it off and fly the rust off and fly the fear off and, and, and feel comfortable again. So yeah, that's what I would recommend there. Uh, and just know that you're not alone in any of this. Uh, other people have been scared and flying, talk to people, go on forums, talk to CFIs. Uh, there's tons of people that have been afraid of flying and uh, figure out a way to overcome it. And you're not alone. So that's a big thing right there. All right, Aviation, those are all the questions for you. I'm currently in Teterboro. It is July 4th. So happy 4th if you are in the United States of America. If not, then I'm sorry for all the obnoxious posts on the internet for everyone thinking that everyone celebrates July 4th. But anyways, happy July 4th. I hope you're being safe and enjoying it with some fireworks and not working like I am. We are flying to East Hampton, which is a brand new airport. Apparently they shut down. Now they're back up. Now they're trying to shut down again. Who knows what's going on there? Maybe I'll be able to get some clarity when we go there. Uh, and then we're going to Trenton and then we're going to Bradley uh, just for today and to set up for tomorrow. So that's our plan. Uh, I hope you are having fun drinking a cold one, grilling out with your friends and family. And yeah, Aviation, that is all. And as always, happy flying.